This is Petticoat Rule, a program about musical productivity examined through the storytelling lens of women in the music industry. I'm your host, Erica Lang, and let me introduce producer Tara Molesworth. Hello. And our guest today is Addie Twig. Hey. first came to know Eddie through her presence as the badass powerhouse leading the Pittsburgh-based pop soul band, The Telephone Line. She is a force in the local scene, to be sure, as she appears as a guest vocalist in events such as the Randy Bauman Ramble and WYEP's Holiday Hootenanny. And although all that is true, more striking to me is that her enthusiasm for the musical talents of others acts as a kind of glue, binding Aww. together musicians. Gosh. <laughs> particularly female musicians, across the city. With all her gusto, she is far from bubbly or sycophantic. Rather, she is a serious musician with a happy-go-lucky and good-humored slant. In fact, some of her performance roots are actually in humor directly, as a musical comedian. (laughs) Today, I hope to hear all about her journey of musicianship, through comedy to a major local rock effort, and all I can say is that we are so pleased to have her on the podcast. She herself is no stranger to the podcast scene, as she runs a show of her own called Add It Up. And furthermore, while doing a little preparatory research for today's show, I discovered that she is an extremely experienced guest as well. <laughs> Having been featured on more podcasts than I can count on two hands, just so many. She's a really busy lazy, and a we... Really busy lazy. <laughs> busy lazy. She's a really busy lazy. That is not wrong. I am busy and I'm lazy. <laughs> I meant, no, I meant lady, lady. She's a really busy... Lady, and we are thankful to have some time with her on our show today. So let's get yapping. You're so thorough in your research and also just so, I mean, you just said so many nice things about me all at once. I was like, yeah. over here, like a little tear for me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the glue that holds the girls together. I'm girly glue. Don't you think you're girly glue? I... I mean, I, I hope to be, yeah. I'll tell you, I feel more connected to other females in the city through your enthusiasm. Oh, that's you know? like the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Aww. And you say a lot of nice shit to me. I, well, I hope I'll say even nicer, <laughs> more nice things that's, as we that's, go on. That's incredible. I love that. Yeah, like I feel closer to Kiki and I feel yeah. um, closer to the chick from Android. Yeah, Jocelyn. Jocelyn, Jocelyn Rent. Rent. Yeah. And, and the Rents and all everything else yeah. that she does. So, yeah, it's just like all these different people who are around. And, I love that. You know. It makes me so happy. Yeah, it's really – I love it too. It's cool. That's kind of how I feel about um Jen, Jen Jan and Fisher yeah, from like Garter Shake. Um, she just is so inspiring to me as a feminist and a musician and just like a great person who mm-hmm. I really like. And it is, is super flattering to me to be – to have someone say the things about me that I would say about her. So thank you. Oh, for that. yeah, for sure. Well, it's part of this whole concept of um, supporting the people laterally so that we can all yeah. grow together. Yeah. You know, not waiting around Absolutely. not waiting around for something to happen to us, but to derive that spirit yeah. within ourselves and share it with each other. And then it just grows. Yeah. And I I think I have either said on my podcast or maybe posted on Facebook or something in the past about how I just feel, and I don't know how you guys feel about this. I hope your experience is similar. I just feel like Anytime I 
perform somewhere with another woman or other women, which let's face it, sometimes it is just one other woman, (laughs) sometimes none. But anytime that I perform with other women, I instantly feel like we have some kind of bond because we probably have similar experiences, you know, being in, in this music scene. It's just, you know, there are some things that all of us tend to run into. And I just feel that kinship, even if I have only talked to set like, Oh, I just met you and shook your hand. Like mm-hmm. we're going to have stuff in common. Mm-hmm. I just know it. Then you actually get to know each other and then you uh-huh. really do bond. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, great. Yeah. Yeah. Every, everyone has been uh, supportive of also like this show and everything. Yeah. It's all part of this, I think a real growing movement, definitely in Pittsburgh anyway. Oh yeah. To really embrace and push forward together. Yeah, yeah I agree. And you're definitely part of that in my Thank mind. Thank you. In my mind. Love and that. like, I loved also when you had the show recently at Mr. Smalls where you had the buckle downs mm-hmm. and you had standard nightly standard nightly standard and And blue clutch and blue clutch Mm -hmm. and then you and the ladies of all those bands did that incredible piece together yeah and you each took a turn it was like um like a little local version of vh1 divas i was gonna say lady marmalade (laughs) (laughs) i would take either (laughs) i would take either one Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just so powerful and and moving. It was really fun. It felt powerful. And I know it was because a friend of mine, and and even though I felt that, this meant a lot to me that uh, a friend of mine brought his two kids and they're they're younger. So it was an all ages show. And they're like, I think around six and eight, maybe. Mm -hmm. And one of them, he has a son and a daughter. And when we were all up there singing that song together, his daughter looked up at him and she said, Daddy, all the singers are girls. And I was like, well, that is the reason to be doing this, if nothing else. Yeah. Like, I just melted on the spot when he yeah, said Yeah, do you have me. a lot of little girls come up to you? Um, I have had a couple experiences, that being one. And then when we did South Park with a Common Heart, my old boss came out and brought his family. And he has an 11 or 12-year-old daughter who is playing keys. And he said she just thought it was the coolest thing. And I really inspired her. He, like, messaged me after. And I, I went over to meet, like, his, his kids and stuff. And... Um, he messaged me the next day, like, she just thought it was the coolest thing. And like, you just really inspired her. And I was like, I love this so much. Like, so why do you do what you do? Would you say? I would say a lot of reasons, like all of us. Um, probably the biggest one just being that I, I just have this hunger for singing, you know, I'm like physically compelled to do it. It's, Uh I don't know. It's almost like, not like a bad habit, but you know how you'll like, you know, pick at your nails or you'll, you know, you, you, um, all these little like habits that you have that maybe would be bad. But to me, one of those is like, I just have to sing. Like I just Mm -hmm. make noise. I have this compulsion. Yeah, (laughs) definitely make noise. Um, (laughs) You can ask my husband. He would agree with you. Oh yeah. She's compelled to make noise. (laughs) I just like, I'm a talker and I'm loud and I laugh really loudly and I, I laugh loud. I laugh often and I'd love to sing. And, um, your voice chakra is bright. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I also, think that there are lots of emotional and physical benefits to music. Um, you know, I have asthma, but my lung capacity is pretty impressive even I'll considering so. because I'm a singer. And I, my, my doctor, once they were doing like a test with my inhaler and they do that thing where they make you blow and then they see how high the thing goes. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, I've had asthma probably since I was like 13 and my doctor was like, Oh, you, your lung capacity is great. Like you, you know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, even though I struggle with this condition, I still, I credit singing a lot yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. It's such a great outlet. Totally. It's so healthy to just get that out. Do you feel just, like get the energy out or the emotion? Both. It's just so, I th- just, it's so good for you. You started in choir? Yeah, I started as a kid. I don't know that I would say I started in choir. I started in church because mm. um, my parents are both ministers. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, I, you know, when I just grew, I don't even remember when I started singing. Just had the brain for it, I guess. Ooh. From there, because I had 
the sort of natural ability. My, my parents are both very musical. My mom sings and plays guitar. My dad sings and plays piano. My brother sings and plays trumpet and we're a musical family. And it just was a natural thing for me to be like singing in church. And then I would join the choirs and then I would sing in like middle school and high school choir. And then Mm -hmm. in high school, I got into the like select choir, the magical Mm -hmm. choir. And there were only, you know, 16 of us or whatever. And then in college I did acapella, which like changed my life. It was such a fun phase of music for me. Yeah. Why is that? Um, it just really brought me out of my shell because I always knew that I could sing, but really I just came out and I kind of went like, okay, I'm a little better than just good at this. Mm-hmm. And I, I started What about myself. acapella did that? Like, because it's fewer people, so you can't hide yeah, as much. I think also the style, uh, because you'll have, you'll have like each person gets like a solo. So mm-hmm. everybody will do the background and then you have someone on the solo and it's poppier music. It's not mm-hmm. choral music where everyone the idea is to blend. Yeah, you know, um, you still have to blend with a cappella, but it's it is you know there are certain parts that have to come out, and then you you know I would do my solos, and I just realized that I I felt like I had something special. You know, yeah, so so you could be in front. Yeah, and I I just so, really enjoyed it. I also feel like for myself like some pull to be in the front. Like I don't mind being backing vocal. I love doing it. I love yep. harmonies. Yep, I love me too. Doing harmonies. Me too. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, but there's also something where like I just accidentally, naturally get personality, big personality or something and want to be, not want to be in the front, like look at me, but just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you would call that because I'm the same way too. Like I love singing backup. Love it. I have a great time doing the rambles with Randy Bauman. Mm -hmm. I have a great, you know, I have a great time doing the hoot and do is doing backup box with like the house band. And but I also crave the spotlight. I I won't. That's another reason to add to my list of why I do this because I love the spotlight. I love showing off that talent. I I just do. It's just fun. I don't know what you would call that. I guess my ego. I don't know. I don't know but. because I like for some people it's definitely ego, yes. right? Like you can see it walking in before you see yeah. the person, their ego comes in, and you're like, oh yeah. my god. So, but see, like you're so positive, and this is what I was like, sort of hearkening to in the intro yeah. about your enthusiasm. You're not, you're not like lovely. You're like, you're like <laughs> I just, am a little. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind. I would, but not in a ditzy way. <laughs> okay. Right? Well, that's like, fair. Yeah, yeah. Or in a fake way. Not yeah. in any. Yeah. That's, I think that's the differentiation. Yeah. You know? I, I don't want to be fake. Yeah. yeah. Like you're just genuinely like feeling good yeah. up there and it's infectious. And like, I think you're like more and more like that, the more you are the spotlight. Yeah. Person. Yeah. I, right? I mean, like I think that comes, it comes that. out. Yeah. It draws it out being in the spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, um, I, I have had people say that to me too. They're just like, I just love watching you. Like regardless, you know, anything about my voice or whatever, you know, compliments, compliments people give you. Mm-hmm. But one of the, one of the things people tell me is that they like watching me, that I'm engaging. And yeah. Like even when you're shaking a tambourine, important. honestly, yeah. I think you're a pretty good tambo shaker. Oh, thank and, you. I yeah. like to shake my tambourine. <laughs> It's good. You're you looking good at, at my tambourine, girl? I'm looking at it the whole time. But, and uh, and it is. It's just like a good stage persona. I have had to work on that a little, though, because there's sort of this dichotomy of like, yes, I'm confident, but I'm always kind of in my own head about whether or not I'm coming across as a diva or as cocky or as Tara is objecting to something. Whatever. Yeah. A man would never feel I know. that or question that. And I know. <laughs> we got to murder that. I know. But that's the thing that that's what that it is part of that is part of being a feminist and being aware of these things. That is why I sometimes end up in my own head about it. And I, I don't want to be that way. Cause I think I'm glad that you said that because I think there a lot of the time the way we think about this is like hey don't don't hold back just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you can't do these things that men do all the time. And I'm like, okay, but at the same time, maybe they just should stop doing it. doesn't mean that I should start acting like them. Maybe they should sure. start acting like us yeah. and be a little fucking humble sometimes. Yeah, consider it. Or, yeah. <laughs> but like you're not a diva. And so if people think you're a diva, they're not seeing the accurate thing yeah. that you're actually putting out there. So that's kind of just their problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know, but I'm such a people pleaser. Oh, yeah, I am too. I struggle with percep- people's perception of me so much, and I just want to make everyone happy all the time. I get it from my mom and also just from being a woman, goddammit. And I know you feel it too, Erica. Like, I do. It's just, it's I mean, tough. I'm an over-accommodator. Me too. But I, yes. I, am, I am a little less like that on stage. I think that's why I liked doing when I did the Motley Crue tribute mm. show and I got to like be Vince yes. Neil. Getting to like do this whole like be a, I was a man for a minute. Yeah. And I had a cod piece with studs all over it. And having, I don't know, something about that made me not give a fuck anymore. Like it's mm. kind of weird. Maybe this is a, yeah. another sadness about being, feeling myself as a female mm-hmm. versus a male performer. But I didn't think about I like he is a cocky motherfucker. Yeah. But you were and comfortable then I was doing a cocky that. motherfucker yes. doing his part. Exactly. And then I was like, wow, this is really freeing. But no. that was comfortable because you if if something did come up, you could pass it off as you were just playing a character. Right. So like you didn't have to worry about people perceiving you as being that way because it wasn't yeah. you. Yeah. Even so, though it was. So so some of that character leaked into my real life performance. I love it. And you're then, wearing a cod piece right now, aren't you? <laughs> Like, oh, do you remember the show? Like, so working, reading, telephone line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We did a show together at the BBC. Because I was telling Marty about that. Yeah. Yeah. That you guys did some of your tunes. We did. And I had this ponytail that night and I was rocking some kind of onesie. Like You were wearing your leopard onesie. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was doing all these like swirl my (laughs) ponytail around. So good. That was Vince Neil in my body. It was cool. doing so it, but I mean, it was That's me. That's a deadly combination. It was America. like me being. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I think that oh. it can be something yeah, that we can great. overcome as performers. Oh, agree. And and I was actually. Have you ever heard of the the Guilty Feminist podcast? No, it's fantastic. You have to listen to it. It was started by two women, and they they actually were just interviewing one of their guests. Does this like Shakespeare company where they? It's not gender bending. They just hire an actor to play a role regardless of gender. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a woman who was playing a role typically played by men. And after the show, um, the the host of the podcast was talking to her and said, like, I've never seen you like that. And she said, yeah, because I don't normally get high power roles that are for men. Mm. And she found that it changed the way she walked around the set and yeah. engaged with people. Yeah. And she had like like servants. The character had like servants. And so they would like follow her around. And she said it changed her demeanor like it just totally changed how she felt and acted throughout the whole thing that's so interesting yeah so that's real shit Uh uh-huh yeah Yeah. now i want to ask you also about your comedian background comedy background (laughs) because so you're telling your story of you know you were in church singing and then you were in choir singing Mm -hmm. and then you did a cappella and you came into the feeling that oh i could actually like do yeah be more front with this yeah you know? like, I'm, I'm really good like, at this yeah I could do this by myself yeah even and so where did you start doing comedy and when did like bait and switch your comedy duo kind of come um, to being comedy musical comedy that is it was it was born in my young adulthood um, some friends of mine in college had a sketch comedy troupe they kept it going after college in our early twenties. One night they needed some filler. I they were some they were my best friends and they are still like my closest you know some of my closest friends here. But um, they were like, oh, we need some filler, and I always helped with like concessions and tickets and everything at their shows. And they were like, well, Addie's going to be there. Let's have her sing something. You know, she and and um, my friend Sean, who is the other half of Bait and Switch, um, they were like, oh, we'll just have Sean play guitar and they can like sing some songs or whatever. We just needed like fifteen minutes or something, mm-hmm. and. Our friend Dave suggested that we take the song The Electric Slide and make it pretty. And we did. And it was hilarious. <laughs> and that is how Bait and Switch was born. Um, I don't know how much you remember about that song, but when we would first start singing it, people would be like, Dude, it is like pretty, what is, is this? Yeah, like you don't recognize it at first. And then you get to the, I've got to move. I'm going on a party ride. And it's so ridiculous and so hilarious, but beautiful. And then you're like, what am I listening to? Because you're so conflicted between how stupid this song is and how pretty what you're listening to is. Um, and so we started doing, we, we 
gave ourselves a name and started performing at comedy shows. And that was 10 years ago plus. So, wow. Um, yeah. So we still occasionally, we did a show up here in the Fun House uh, oh. a month or two ago with Ian Insect. Oh, fun. Um, and it was really fun. Yeah. Because we, we don't perform that often. He he is married with a child now and uh-huh. like we don't get to see each other that often. But um, occasionally we will come out of hiding for, for a worthwhile gig. Sure. So. so is a lot of it then like songs that are... Like you're repurposing songs yes. in new in new lights. Same lyrics. It's sort of like flipping Weird Al. Sure. Where like we yeah. keep the lyrics, but we change the music. We change the genre. Yeah, we do like a bluegrass version of My Humps by the Black Eyed Peas where we uh-huh. actually give it like a melody and um, it's sort of countrified. We also do mashups, which was like a newer thing because – as we evolved, we kind of were like, okay, I think people get the joke of us now. So once they realize what the song is, like, it's maybe not as funny. And then they have to sit through the rest of the song. Mm-hmm. So let's do some mashups. My favorites are we we played First Night several years ago and we did Auld Lang Syne. Mm-hmm. And we mashed it. Should all acquaintance be forgot? It's a party in the USA. <laughs> and then we did a Miley verse over the tune of Auld Lang Syne. Oh, nice. And then mashed in some more of the Auld Lang Syne at the end. And like a Jay-Z song was on, you know, or like whatever, a Britney song was on. Um, and, and people loved it. It's just silly. It's just so silly. But also you get to listen to music uh-huh. while you're like laughing along at it. And then we also do kind of what turned into this, like a sort of dark mashup of Kiss the Girl from The Little Mermaid. Mm. Sha-la-la-la-la-la, my oh my. With Last Kiss. Kiss the girl. Oh, where, oh, where can my baby? Oh, <laughs> Which is about a car accident yeah. where the girl dies. Yeah, 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 Different yeah. emotions. And we mash that with kiss the girl because it's like, oh, what a shame. You'll never get to kiss her. And it's mm. because she just died in a car accident. Oh. And it's really dark, but you can't help but laugh. Because or it's so alternatively, ridiculous. you're suggesting he kiss a cadaver. Yes. So. And it's so Either absurd. Way. But Either the way. songs fit together when you find the right ones. Yeah, yeah. They fit so well. <laughs> It just comes right out of you. That's awesome. Yeah, so we have a we have a good time doing that. So how did you make the transition from comedy music and doing music that is other people's into this more kind of serious music, um, meaning like you're writing the songs yeah. and you're um and they're not about just funny things. Yeah. They're about serious things yeah. that happen in your life. What what yeah. made what made that transition possible? Um, it was slow because bait and switch, you know, we were around like 2006, you know, the telephone line really only has been together like four years. So, um, I did have, like, I met some guy on like, I forget Craigslist or something. And he played guitar for me for a while. And, but we just did covers. We weren't writing. And then, um, my friend Lauren and I, who does my duo Camellia Road, Mm -hmm. um, we were college friends and had always played together. And then we, um, we started doing this Swan Day event, Mm -hmm. which they didn't do this past year, but they've been doing like last nine years before that in Pittsburgh every year. It's like an international celebrate, um, support women artists now. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a, a, a show of all um, women artists, you know, painters and theater and music and dance and fashion, anything you can think of that, you know, any kind of art that women are doing. And so Lauren and I started writing together because all their content, they wanted to be original. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really pushed me to, to write because it was like, I have to make something new for this and it has to be by a certain date mm-hmm. and I have to be ready. And I'm a person with anxiety <laughs> who goes, okay, well, that means if I'm going to have it ready by this date. Then I need to have it polished by this date. And then I need to have it written by this date. And I need to have it conceived by this date, you know, like work backwards, mm-hmm. which is what I do at work all the time with my projects. And uh, so oh, you're so on top of everything. I, it, it just really pushed me to actually like seriously write. Uh-huh. Um, and it really was only like two songs per year, but for the last seven years, you know, that's, that's a, a nice little catalog of songs. And and then um, I was started with a woman who I did acapella actually in Pittsburgh, semi-pro, like just a bunch of adults who just enjoyed doing acapella. And a woman who was in that group was in a band and asked me to come and sing with them. And I had never been in a band before. And this is probably 
almost 10 years ago, like eight years ago or something, which makes me feel sick. That's gross. Um, but she invited me to come and sing with them. And so I started singing with them and, um, but we didn't play out really whole. I think we only ever did like one gig and Uh they were older gentlemen. Like they were actually like my dad's, my parents' age. Um, and I think for them, it was just kind of a thrill to just get together and play music. And I was like, okay, but I, I want to perform, you know, like I love being in the room and playing music with people. But I also want to be on a stage. Yeah. It, I just do. I just need that. It's that spotlight. Yep. Stage makes a difference. Yep. It totally does. And so that, that um, you know, there weren't any like hard feelings or anything, but the end of that sort of overlapped with the beginning of the telephone line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had done, done some one-off writing in between there. Like I wrote a song for – there's a, a comedy troupe um, called Hustlevot and they had done like a short film and I wrote a song for that, like a pop song and um, little one-offs here and there that I would write for. And um, so when the telephone line started, I still was very much a novice and I still – I wouldn't say I'm a beginner songwriter because that's not fair. But I am by no means like some mm-hmm. like <laughs> – I'm I'm not that prolific when it comes to singer songwritery. Um, I'm oh. not like doubting my abilities, but sure, sure, um, yeah. It's a long road. I don't know yeah. if anyone would ever feel yeah. like they're like even Tom Petty, who was such an amazing songwriter. Yeah, I don't know if he ever felt like he was like you know. I mean, who knows? I guess. He yeah, no. I mean, I'm like, I guess if you're Paul McCartney, maybe you do. But any <laughs> anybody local, I'm not sure would would actually feel that way. But. Um, yeah, I, I it's a craft that I'm still working on. Uh-huh. And and I do think that, you know, there are things that I've done to get a little better at it from like a pop writing standpoint, mm-hmm. but um when the telephone line started, you know, 4 years ago or whatever, I still still was working on that. And I still am. Mm-hmm. Um like I think we all are. Um so when that's kind of how we You got were into it. a little kid and you were doing all your church singing or whatever. Did you ever think you would be on a stage, you know, singing in front of lots of people, your original hmm. personal words? I mean, was that something I that... I don't know if... I don't know if I ever really thought about it. Um, I just wanted to sing. Yeah. I, you know, for a while it was choir singing that I loved and I was happy doing that. For a while it was acapella and I was happy doing that. For a while it was singer-songwriter and I was happy... Or like, you know, acoustic like covers and I was happy doing that. I'm the kind of person who I realized as an adult is pretty content doing what she loves for the most part. That doesn't mean I don't complain because I do. My husband would tell you I complain all the time about just life in general. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But with the big things in life, you know, like I just kind of fell into my career and I'm happy with it. And you know, it wasn't like, oh, this is the thing I need to do and then I do it and I – you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm the kind of person who like I think pretty much any job that I would do, I would be content with it and yeah. do a good job at it. I just don't – I'm not one of those people who's like, I have to be a surgeon or I won't be happy. Sure, I'm yeah. just not like that. Right. I've like, never heard anybody say that and I think that's really awesome because I feel that it's way just too. how I am. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't I know. I 100% feel that way. I think it has something to do with, with what you're made of. I don't know. I think it's just a disposition. Yeah. Or like the, you'll the be position. good at anything. I'll take that. You'll, yeah. You'll find the <laughs> je ne sais quoi inside of it. Yeah. Because I think – I still don't even think I'm explaining it that well, but I'm glad you <laughs> – I'm glad you feel me. And I know there are other people out there like that. You know, so many people I know are like, I want to go to school for this and then I want to be this. And even when I was in college, I was like, I don't know what I want to be. I just want to be happy. I just want to be content. I don't know. Oh, man. I feel – like, I don't want to be a surgeon and have those kinds of goals, but I still do that kind of achieve structure anyway, yeah. and I feel guilty for n- not really feeling like I want to be on that ladder. Well, now you don't have oh, to. Oh, like you feel pressure to think, say, what are your goals and I are you achieving them? Secretly, I'm like you guys, yeah. but on, on the outside. Well, that's what, you know, Addie just trying. made me realize that that's the way that I am. I've yeah. secretly been that way until right now. Wow. Yeah. And I think that the same thing just happened to you. Secrets out. Oh, my God. <laughs> it feels so great. It's funny, too, because at work, like, I've been working for the same company for 15 years next month. And I'm really happy there. But I've had so many different jobs there. And I just was happy in all of them. You uh-huh. know, I started at the bottom. And I worked my way up to what I'm doing now. And, you know, my manager, I would have a meeting with my manager. And he'd be like, okay, you know, what's next for you? What do you want to do next? And I was like, can't I just do this and be good at this and be happy doing this until I'm not? 
Why do I have to go like, oh, well, I would like this job next and here's how I'm going to get there. Do you think that partly it's fueled by having a balance with your musical life? I don't know that I would make that connection, but music does help to keep me a happy person. So it probably does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, and, and I think, you know, my friend Ashley and I've talked about this because she's, she is similar in that, you know, whatever job she's doing, she's going to do it well. She's going to work hard, you know, she, and she can be pretty happy doing it unless something terrible happens, which, you know, shit happens at every job. It's hard to describe, but the way I think about it is, you know, I talk to so many people who are like, oh yeah, I got to go to work and I hate this job. And like, they will openly complain about it in a very serious manner of that they are truly miserable when they're at work. I'm like, oh, okay. So you're looking for another job. Nope. No. And I'm like, how are you not looking for another job if you're miserable? Yeah. I could not do that. Yeah. And that's the flip side of that coin. I don't know if you're like that too. Because no, no, no. I cut and run. As soon as I realize I'm unhappy yep. and pissed off, then I'm done. Me too. And I think what that says about us is we are very in tune with ourselves and our desires and our feelings and we act on them. Yeah. I think that's what that means. I got to learn some lessons <laughs> from you guys. I need coaching. I do think that it is just kind of a disposition, like it's just an innate thing that's in you. I don't know how you would teach that. I think you can teach it. I'm just not learning the lesson yet. <laughs> I mean, is there something in your life that you're not happy with? And can you do anything about it? And if so, what are you doing about it? <laughs> Let's offline that one because then we'll never get out of here. <laughs> Part two. But yes. Um, let's go. Let's go, cool. Erica. Part two. Cut the cords. We're going to have part two on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we can. We can. We can do that. Okay. So (laughs) let's break it up for a second by I found something online that I want to play that you did. This isn't the thing I sent you? No, this is something else. So we're just going to surprise you just for for a minute. Okay. Just for a little bit. I'm scared. You'll know what it is immediately. (laughs) All the Steeler ladies. All the Steeler ladies. All the Steeler ladies. All the Steeler ladies. What a ride that has been. What, what, tell me all about the ride. Oh boy. So back in 2000, I think it was 2006 when the Steelers won the Super Bowl that year that we released this. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, 10 years ago. So my friend. 38 and great, girl. Yeah, I know. No, it's not that I mind being old. It's Uh just that things are so long ago. I'm like, what happened? I just, it blows my mind. Um, My friend Christine Nangle is... (laughs) is a, a, a writer and she writes for TV and she has for quite some time. And, um, she's, she's just really silly and like funny and, and she's just a great writer. And, um, <laughs> she's not from Pittsburgh, but she lived here for a while. She's from Philly. And then she moved to Pittsburgh and lived here for a good while before going to New York. And she, um, she and I were Steeler fans and, And she had this idea. She was like, oh, what if we wrote Steeler Ladies to Single Ladies? And I was like, and she was like, and you could sing it. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. And so I I helped her write some of the bits. And and then Sean from Bait and Switch Uh um, recorded it. And (laughs) we had no idea (laughs) how this thing was going to blow up. Dude, it's like made to blow up. And we put it online and it has... I think over a million hits. Mm. It's insane. Did you monetize Steeler it? fans? Steelers no, Steeler because uh-huh. yeah, because it's not like like we would have to get like everybody. We would have to get the rights, and beyond that, we used a karaoke track. Oh, so like it's not like we put all the parts. You didn't on do that. the producing. Yeah, on yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I mean, who could even? I can't even <laughs> imagine with all those weird brrrl <laughs> sounds in there. I don't even know how you would do that. And um, so we just never bothered uh-huh. to, to monetize it, but um. Oh my gosh, like people are 
still commenting on that on YouTube. I still get notifications of people subscribing to that channel it. and commenting on it. And it has been 10, no, 11 fucking years. Yeah, but the Steelers, it's like the way you wrote the lyrics are timeless. They're not connected to any particular Super Bowl. Well, that's interesting because there are player names in there. But a year or so ago, the Steelers contacted me. Oh. And they were like, hey. And I was like, oh, God. Like, are they upset about it or whatever? And they were like, hey, we want you to re-record a version of this with more evergreen, quote, unquote, they called it, lyrics that don't mention any players or like a year or anything. Yeah. And then we want to play it at a game. Oh, my God. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll do that. So so I did. And there's, there's a newer version out there on which my voice sounds much better because I was oh. a little sick at the time when we recorded that, the original one. Oh, geez. You can't But the new all. one, well, thank you. <laughs> but the new one didn't really go anywhere because, you know, it's 10 years old. The song is 10 years old. So, like, people didn't really notice or react to it at all, which is crazy because the original one is still getting attention. It blows my mind. But is it being played in the stadium then? Well, they 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 gave me a couple of tickets to like really nice like nice. box yeah uh-huh. box seats for the game where they're going to do it, and then they just played a snippet like during downtime, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was a cool experience, um, not only to be asked to do it, but also um, to go to the game and have like such cool seats and like hear it played in the stadium. Yeah, and it was a really cool experience. I, I don't watch football anymore for feminist reasons um and just you know reasons <laughs> uh-huh. i just i just got to the point where i was like i just can't i can't watch this anymore like the the misogyny and the the abuse of women and the abuse of animals and the abuse of you know black folks i, I just can't, i just was like i can't i can't justify watching this anymore and mm. one one of the things and i was on the edge of that when they the steelers asked me to do this and so what i did is we actually um i think steelerladies.com might be out there and we put up a thing saying like hey listen to the song and then go and donate to the the women's center yeah you do you have you do have uh, links for that yeah so my friend christine who had written it she was writing for snl for a while and when i went to visit her <laughs> She actually still thinks that that song might be the reason that Seth Seth Meyers, part of the reason that Seth Meyers hired her in the first place because he's such a big Steeler fan. Oh, really? And when I went to like one They're of the everywhere. shows, yeah, and like I went, I went to a few shows um, while she was working there, and and I got to meet Seth the one night, and she like told him she was like, "This is my friend who sings the Steelers song," and it was just such a surreal thing to have that be what <laughs> someone says about you, you know. It was just, very yeah very but, weird but like people are such Steelers fanatics all around the, the world that yeah if you do anything related to the Steelers then people want to tell they want to know that about you first yep <laughs> or they tell your friend about that first or yeah whatever. and when when it first when it first gained steam um Mike Motes who's a DJ around the area DJ and performer um he had women print the lyrics and bring them to karaoke and have him play single ladies so that they could sing those lyrics Oh, wow. So I have my own karaoke song now in his wow. book. He, like, made a karaoke track of it. It's That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. It is. It's fun. Yeah. Okay. But in addition, um, one of the things I wanted to say is that I really like that you have a lady bass player. Yes, Lacey. She's, Basie she's, Lacey. Basie Lacey. Basie Lacey. Lacey Basie. She's so yeah. good. Yeah, she's great. Our band loves her. We're always like, oh, yeah, and then Lacey on the bass. Yeah, she's awesome. And, like, she she's a very quiet person just in general. Definitely. Um, but uh, she she's very cool, and she's so fucking smart. And, like, this is, as far as I know, her first band. She's just, um, you know like learned bass to play with the telephone line and um it's so funny because like people i'll be talking to like my friends after shows and stuff and they'll be like lacy is just such a badass i'm like i know she's so cool and she just like is up there just like doing her thing and i think that's part of why she's such a badass yeah she just lays back and yep. grooves yep. which is what everybody wants the bass player to do just yep. sit and groove man sit and groove <laughs> lay back and groove. yeah she's Set it. And she's so humble, you know, like no flashiness and it really, it suits her. It does. And it makes her, she's just such a badass. Absolutely. Like, you know, you know, she could kick your ass. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. You know? (laughs) Yeah. She's, she's really awesome. And, and having her in the band, 
Um, I just appreciate the yeah. dynamic of having another woman in the band. Yeah, that was you know. basically my question was about how it feels to play with another woman in the band. Yeah. and It feels great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, we are all surrounded by dudes. I mean, all day long, but especially in music. Mm-hmm. I mean, just surrounded. And to have that dynamic, to push back at least a little, because there are two of us and then three of the guys, it it just makes a difference in the, the dynamic in the room and um, on stage. And, and actually, um, playing with Cisco Kid last night, we played in the Funhouse. And um, Marty even said to me, because I, I asked him, I was like, how did you like find us or, you know, because um, we didn't know each other before. And mm-hmm. he had just messaged us and he said they liked our single, but then he also said like, you know, we we wanted to have not just a bunch of dudes on stage all night. And I just really appreciated that. I was like, yeah. yeah. And Lacey was there when he said it. And I, I looked at her and I was like, yeah, we appreciate that too. It's only two of us, you know, and, and we are both white chicks. So it's it's getting there. But uh, yeah, I, I just really appreciate having her around because um, she is my sanity. Like I do um, 99% of the booking and the social media. And um, Lacey, um, I know enough to to update the website and do like some stuff under the hood, not a lot, but anytime I get stuck, I'm like, Lacey, help me. Like, cause she, she's so good at all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she knows more like HTML than I do. And she's, um, she just she's has a web that. Guru. Yeah. Yeah. She has that brain and chicks doing everything. I, I love the dudes in our band. I mean, I'm married to one of them <laughs> and she's married to one of them. And the other one has been with like a high school friend of hers and he's, he's one of my, my best bros now. But I didn't like, know she was married to one of them too. The drummer. Yeah. She's married to the drummer, Brad. Oh. And, uh, so it's kind of about, yeah, two couples and, and one of their best friends from high school <laughs> is what our band is. I like viewing your band through this like lens of, this is my first time thinking of it this way, but like, you know, these women and then just like, they're like, <laughs> it's arm candy. You Honey, know? do you want to play in a band with yeah, me? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I know it's not really like that. It's a team effort. Of course it is. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually going to ask about uh, being married to your bandmate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in the process also bring up that uh, I've. Because, you know, I'm this little internet sleuth on you. Found out that she got <laughs> married inside of the Duquesne Incline car. We did. We eloped. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And actually, we're coming up on, I think, seven years wow. this February. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, we uh, – he did, he doesn't get offered health insurance through his work. Mm-hmm. And I do because I work for the health insurance company. And – we learned that if we became domestic partners, if we did like uh, got, got it like notarized and all this jazz, that we could get him on my insurance. We're like, oh, let's do it because we've been living together for ages. We're like, oh, let's do it. You know, whatever. Neither of us have been thinking about marriage. We just didn't mm-hmm. – we didn't care. And because um, we were happy. And so we notarized this thing and then we did all the paperwork and I submitted it. And HR called me and they were like, I just want to make sure you know, like you did all the paperwork right and you're good. But I have to explain this to people because it's so hidden that people don't realize that with the domestic partnership to have them on your coverage, there is this tax called the imputed tax. And I might be remembering this not totally right because it was a while ago. And it will cost you $250 per paycheck (gasps) just to have him on the insurance, which you were then also paying for. Right. Exactly. I was like, what do you mean? So like it's a one-time charge? And she was like, no, no, no. This is going to be per paycheck for the duration of him being a domestic partner. So like 500 bucks a month. Wow. Just to have him on it. Then you got your premium. Then you got your deductible. Then you got – Yeah. Like, and I just – I was like, I don't – and it turned out that what she was describing, it was like that because it was essentially anti-gay legislation yeah, right. to discourage people from being domestic partners because they couldn't get married yet. Yeah. So like it's not illegal, but it's fucking expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. yeah. And after I talked to her, she was very nice about it. She's very helpful. I'm sure she had to have that conversation a million times. And I just started sobbing at my desk, partly because it was so horrible and homophobic. Yeah, it's and just it, – it's on its core, basically. Yeah, a yeah. and partly because I just wanted to get him on my health insurance. Like we were thir- around 30 at the time. And I'm like, you know, you got to take care of yourself. Like – and I was so upset and we were talking and he was like, well, do you want to get married? And I was like, oh, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I was like, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it, but, you know, and so we started talking about it and we decided we would. And I said to him, and here's the thing, 
I'm a feminist, but I needed a proposal from him. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, honey, in these two weeks before we do this, I need you to propose to me. <laughs> and the Guilty Feminist, that podcast I was telling you about is great. Uh-huh. I stole their bit because they start out every podcast saying, I'm a feminist, but... And then they give an example of something they do that is like embarrassing. Uh And I am, and you know, like you've already described me as like a strong, you know, badass feminist, but I need you to get up, get down on your fucking knee and propose to me. Uh (laughs) I just do. I just do. It's just the thing I needed. Did you get what you wanted? Yes. He proposed to me at Dell's over karaoke, which is what, (laughs) what I had always wanted because I'm corny. (laughs) He did our song, which is happy together by the turtles. And at the end he got down and we were getting married like literally two days later. Like we already had the plans Yeah. and he got down when he at the end and had this microphone in his hand. He said, Addie twig, will you marry me? Just real corny. Uh And I was laughing and crying at the same time. And some guy at the bar turned around and was like, like, did he just ask her to marry him? <laughs> like, everybody was like, what? And uh, of course I said yes. And like they brought us out a little bottle of champagne. And um, my friend Jody was there and she was instantly sobbing because she didn't know. And, um, and she was like, don't you dare run off and get married somewhere, blah, 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 like without us. And I was like, here's the thing. We're eloping Sunday. <laughs> Like, we already had it planned. Yeah. But it was still really, like, I still cried and I still, yeah. it was still, and I, I actually, Mike Motes was the DJ and he had the slip that it was written on and he gave it to me. To keep, mm-hmm. So, Aww. yeah, and it was really nice. And we, they, the incline, we had planned it ahead of time and, and they gave us a car all to ourselves. And um, we did what's called a Quaker Oath. Yeah. Not a Quaker Oath, a Quaker <laughs> Oath, which you don't have to have an officiant. Uh-huh. PA is one of the few states that actually allows it. Yeah. And we just had my brother, like, sort of act as the officiant. We had two witnesses, and my friend Lauren came and, and took some photos for us. And it was surprisingly romantic for, like, a non-getaway business marriage. <laughs> I um, did not detect that you were married the many of the first – like, for the first – I don't even know how many times that I saw yeah. you. Yeah. Well, and I before. don't wear my ring all the time. It's just not a thing that I do, mm-hmm. which comes up in the song, actually. Oh. Um, and I don't know. We're just so comfortable with each other. We've been together for yeah. 12 years, you know. We've been, only been married for seven, but we've been together since 05. Yeah. This song you wrote, you just alluded to that the not wearing a ring is in the lyrics. Yes. And so this is – a song about cat calling. It is cat called. So tell tell me a little bit. Maybe less specifically cat calling, more just harassment. harassment. Yeah, um, street harassment, bus harassment, whatever you want to. Uh-huh. So as all women do, I have had several experiences in my life where men just come up to me and they want what they want, or just want to say stuff to me or whatever. And there was one day in particular where I I took the bus. I we take the bus to work. There's this guy on the bus. There's this older man. He's probably seventies ish. He just stares at women, not just me, stares at any woman who gets on that bus, especially young women, you know, says hello and expects us to say hello back to him. And like this one day I got on the bus and I went and I sat down toward the front and it wasn't super full. Bus is moving along toward downtown and it gets closer to downtown and a bunch of people get off and now it's really empty. There's no one sitting next to me. He gets out of his seat and comes and sits in the seat right next to me on an empty bus. Mm. I've never spoken to this man. I try to ignore him when he stares or whatever is at me. And I was on a conference call for work, which made things worse because I was like, Jesus, can you do not? Yeah. And I wasn't speaking on this call. I was just listening. Luckily, the moment he did it, my stop was coming up. So he sits down next to me and I'm getting up and I'm like, excuse me. And he stands up and he's, he's actually lucky that I was on the call because I will, if I wasn't, I probably would have whipped out my phone and started recording him and been like, what the fuck are you doing? So I'm like, excuse me. And he stands up, but he gets out of the way, just not enough for me to get by. And I'm like, no, 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 excuse me. And I think he gets the idea. So he gets out of my way and and I get off the bus and I was just fuming. I was so pissed. Like, who the fuck are you? And I, to a lot of people, this probably sounds pretty innocuous, but I assure you it was not like this this man, I see him enough and I see the way that he looks and talks. And I've seen him do this to another woman. I actually saw him one day go and sit with another woman, like a young woman, actually right before she was getting off, thank goodness, um, because I was ready to fight. I was just like, get me some brass knuckles. I'm going to take this motherfucker down. Like, I was so pissed that he's doing this to women. And we had band practice that night. 
and we started jamming and I had this on my mind and I, I couldn't shake it. And I just started like, um, the, the chorus is back off. Like I just kind of scream sing it. And I, I started with that and I just, it just kind of grew from there. And then I started thinking about all these other experiences that I've had. And that is what informed the lyrics. Um, and I don't know if you're ready for me to actually like get into what yeah, the lyrics are. Yeah, get into it. Um, so it, it starts off just saying, you know, minding my own business. You're telling me to smile. We've all been there. Oh, yeah. And asking what's the hurry. You can make it worth my, my while. And then the next line is looking at my finger and you don't see any ring. Would it even matter? You're not listening. And that comes from a day where I was walking downtown and I didn't happen to have my wedding ring on that day. And a man walked up beside me and started walking with me and was like chatting me up. And I just was like, no, he was like asking, like directly asking me like, oh, I'll take you out or whatever. And I was like, I'm married. And he literally looked at my finger and was like, I don't see a ring. And I just was like, I don't. okay, so you either think I'm lying, in which case, why would you want to take someone out who's lying to you? Or you think you know that I'm married and you don't give a fuck, which is the correct answer. <laughs> he definitely just didn't care because none of them do. And I just was like, oh, can we not do this? Can we just not do this? Like, I don't. And I was like ready to get out my phone and be like, can I show you my wedding pictures? Like, what do you want? what do you want? What's going to stop you? And the answer is nothing. Nothing's going to st stop them. Only if my husband was with me, would he have not done this? Mm -hmm. um, so that, that line is actually a thing that happened to me. <laughs> um, looking at my finger and you don't see any ring, which sometimes I'm like, oh, I should wear my ring. And I'm like, no, fuck that. Mm -hmm. Like, it shouldn't matter. Like, it sh I should just be able to say, no, thank you. Bye. And then you leave me alone. Yeah. Also, it's like having on the flip side of that too, like a woman with a wedding ring is just like no good or used goods or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's not just like I better stay away from her. It's also like this like, ugh. Yeah. Which is also bad in this other way. <laughs> right. In in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, the chorus is just back off. Um and at the end of the chorus, I kind of trail off and go into a less of a singy, more of a talky kind of style. Just talking about, I don't want your breath in my face. Get out of my space. Um, and for me, that's taking on that tone of being a little more talky instead of singy is I'm becoming less pleasing. You know, when you're singing a song, it's like, oh, you sound pretty and you whatever. But at this part, I'm like just devolving into just like telling you off basically. Um so like sort of you're, dropping the facade. You're doing that you structured the song and like the way your vocal is to mimic yes. the environment of the, of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And then I uh the second verse is slithering up to me saying you're a Scorpio, because you know, the whole like what's your sign? What's your sign, baby? Yeah. And then can you get my number? Hell no. Uh, just like kind of like I'm, I'm, you know, after the first, the first verse is sort of more, um, internalized, like, oh, well, he's not listening, so I'm not going to say anything. And then the second time I'm like, no, hell no. And you have to mm -hmm. listen to me now because I'm, I'm telling you to fuck off. Maybe I should start singing fuck off. I didn't think about that. <laughs> my parents would love that. <laughs> and then, uh, my favorite part of this, which is kind of funny because, um, I had posted about this on Facebook and asked, um, for stories, similar stories, because I said like, Hey, I'm writing a song about this. And I want to know like, where are the places where you get this the most? What kind of things are you just trying to do? Go about your day where you get harassed. And it just exploded into this thread of women saying oh God, all these sure. stories. And it wasn't even like, it, it just went on and on and on. All these women were like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like it's so cathartic to like, you know, whatever. It was just such a good thread and way to express ourselves and kind of like a, a safe way to be like, Oh my God, me too. <laughs> you know? And, um, I, I took from those for the bridge sort of part at the end, um, where I'm just sort of naming places where this happens. It's, you know, I'm riding the bus, I'm going to work, I'm waiting in line, I'm trying to read a book, I'm driving my car and this is happening. I'm at the liquor store and some guy's bugging me. I'm at the park, I'm on the dance floor. Um, so I, I took from those stories some of the places where women are saying that they get harassed and it is cathartic as hell to sing this yeah I bet. and when we did it at lady fest this past year 
the feeling just being in that room and knowing so many people in that room have had those experiences, it was just the fucking best feeling. Have you ever had the experience in real life of actually pushing back against an individual man? Like, have you ever? I have never had the wherewithal to respond aggressively. And I wish I did. And actually, um, my friend Laura recently told a story on Facebook where this guy was absolutely leering at her and making her uncomfortable and started saying things. And she went over next to him, took her arm and moved her arm across the table and sent a whole bunch of like cups and glasses and cans to the floor, just crashing down and was like, how did that make you feel? And like walked away. And I was like, oh my God, you're my hero. And like somebody on the thread, there were men commenting, like, I think you overreacted. And I was like, okay, but here's the thing. When this is happening to you every fucking day, you are going to get to the point where you do not tolerate it anymore. And you can bet your ass the same man was doing this to women all day, every day in that same location. Mm -hmm. And someone finally stood up to him. So no, she didn't overreact. And I think she actually talked to that guy and he sort of like came to understand. I, you know, for as strong and as empowered as I feel on stage and, you know, in my like sort of safe spaces, I do kind of become like sort of a shrinking violet. Like if a man gets up in my space and I just, I'm like, cause I'm not always ready for it. Cause Mm -hmm. who's ever ready for that? I don't know. I guess in well, some that's part of why are, it's but. harassment too. Is that it's so often it's um, part of it for the man doing it is the surprise factor that they like gotcha. the guy in the car, yeah, like the guy in the car who yep. was wanking it, or like yeah. I was in the library one time and there was a guy masturbating behind me, unreal. And it's like you know he, I know he definitely he finished once I noticed him. Wow. And was just waiting around, waiting for me to notice. But what a way to live. That's, oh, yeah, like that's what the thrill is. Part of it is like that they took the woman by Taking you off surprise, guard. Yep. Taking you off guard. Yep. So like it's unlikely that you're going to have the wherewithal yep. to respond right then. Unless you're walking around literally waiting to be harassed. Well, like with is... my bus creeper, <laughs> because I know he's on the bus, uh-huh. I am now, if I get on that bus and I see him, I'm ready. And he better not fuck with me again because he's going to hear it. Yeah. Or like I saw this um, employee at a hospital one time taking a picture of a girl's butt in the Starbucks line. Like I saw, I could see over his shoulder that he was taking a picture of her butt, but he was like pretending to like, be like, oh, what am I doing on my phone? And he was just like zooming in on this girl's booty. And um, there enough on the internet? You can get it. I know. Yeah. Like, Like, come on. Who is this even for? And I, so. (laughs) Jesus. Anyway, I knew who he was. And every time I saw him, I gave him the evil eye. Because like, what am I doing? But I was always braced for that person to do something not okay. Yep. But I had, I was able to identify him, you know, but so often It's just a random missive. And I actually had an experience um, a couple months after we had written and started performing back off. I was downtown waiting for the bus and there was a young woman in front of me and there was a young man standing right next to her and I couldn't hear what he was saying to her. He just kept talking to her and she eventually turned around and went, back the fuck off and turned back around. And I was like, oh my God, I want to be friends with this woman. (laughs) And he immediately like took some steps backwards. And then of course, after that, he was like, he was like, why you sound crazy? Like, why are you, why are you getting so upset? Like, like, like you're, and she said something like, you're, you're such a creep or I don't know. I don't remember. And he was like, you're the one making it inappropriate. And he like totally was putting, he made me so fucking mad. I was like, you are every man right now. You are every man who gaslights these women and treats them like this. And then acts like they're the crazy one. It's no wonder we're all like this. God, how could we not be? It's a wonder we're not crazier. And I was just like, I wanted so badly to be like, you're amazing. You have no idea. You just made my day. But I I left her alone because I didn't want to make things worse. Yeah. But he, he went back and stood back against the wall, like against the building and just kept like murmuring to her. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, she beat you today, buddy. Like you lost this one. Yeah, definitely. But even then in the telling that story, like I think... I think I'm afraid of men actually doing something to you later too. Like his continued murmuring is a continued threat. And like, I feel like, like the same way that I can identify that guy that was taking the picture of the butt, they can identify me if I make a big stink about of anything. You know what I mean? So if I ever encountered that person alone again, you know, I'm afraid of the physical threat of the man. And so it's, it's really hard to respond to cat calling, not just because you're taken by surprise yeah. and you have to be like quick wit, but also because it's, it's, it's dangerous. His threat is real. I mean, yes. men are actually 
Agree. Dangerous Agree. Women, so. And I mean, it's like the, the old quote, like, you know, men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women are afraid men will kill them. There you and go. it's so real. And that dynamic is never more real to me than when catcalling is happening. And yeah. I, oh man, like just seeing that happen, just like, so I was like, good for her. And, and I don't, I don't know if she left that feeling empowered. She may have just left it feeling pissed and sad and angry, but to everybody around her, it looked fucking incredible. <laughs> Like it just, it made my day to see her tell him off. So this song is kind of like the ability to say that, those things that you wish you could have said right then at that moment or that, um, I wish I could feel safe saying these things too and not threatened, um, by my, by my statement. So here's an anthem, an anthem for all of us. So let's all think of our, (laughs) our millions of experiences. Yeah. Ladies. Um, (laughs) And any men listening, think about any times that you <laughs> yes. have actually, maybe you didn't even know you were being threatening. Yeah. And this, this is, by the way, this isn't a studio track. This is a, a live recording that we had um, done for us. We haven't recorded this right. one yet. So. so this was recorded on DVE. Yes. DVE. We and played on the morning show. That's great. So, and then this is going to be on your next album, whenever that comes out. Yes. Yeah. We, we will be adding this one. Yep. Cool. All right. Let's hear it. the perfect voice for that message. <laughs> well, think? I wrote it for my voice, so. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I how so. else can it be? But like, you, you know. You gotta belt it. Yeah, You yeah. have to belt that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so good. <laughs> um, so, but this reminds me too, I wanted to ask you like how you write songs. Um, do you mm-hmm. write them all vocally or do you have an instrument that you... I do play piano. Um, I don't perform on piano, really. Um, I play enough to play at home and write 
So for the telephone line, sometimes Jay, the guitarist, will bring a partially or fully formed song and say, hey, let's do this. And then we'll jam on it and it'll grow and we'll range it together. I have brought a song like that in the past that I had previously written um, at Swan Day, actually. Joe actually recently wrote one that he has all these parts in his head for everybody and we're putting it together and arranging it. Um, sometimes we will, like with Back Off, we'll start jamming like Jay and, and Lacey and Brad and Joe will start jamming and then I'll start just like ad-libbing, improvising stuff mm-hmm. on top of it. When we get something that sticks, we get like a hook or something. Like when Back Off came out of my mouth, I was like, okay, I'm keeping that. Yeah. <laughs> that's staying. Um, but sometimes you throw out stuff that you're like, okay, that's bad. I don't want to go that direction. Let's try uh-huh. a new direction or whatever. Um, and typically it'll be like a melody will come to me and then I'll try to, what is what does that feel like to me and what words are kind of fitting with that? And with Back Off, I think it just came out. Sure. Because of the, the experience I had had that day, it just came out of me. Uh-huh. Um, um, like, and then I wrote the verses later. I love the section where you're, where you said that, you know, you got these ideas for all the different places from real yeah. stories from real women. Like that's a great story about that piece, but then also yeah. it's like a really good piece of the song because it is so relatable. It's just, yes. just everywhere. Just being a part of just, I'm just existing. Like, I'm just trying to read a fucking yeah. book. Can you yeah, leave I'm me alone? The book. Always you hear these stories about women's women reading and being interrupted. Also, you were talking earlier about how you, you just make noise, you sing, it's like, you're, you know, just compelled to do that. Yeah. Do you have specific practice time or things that you do, or is it just like, you're just singing all the time. So it's just happening. Uh, you mean from a writing perspective, from a writing perspective or just a performance perspective, because your voice um, is so good. Thank you. Right? And like, <laughs> like it's this kind of voice that other people would aspire to have. Thank you. you know, to work towards very kind. being able to do the things that you do vocally. Yeah, so I mean. Do you, do you make, how did that come to be? Uh, you just blessed? I'll tell you, like, okay, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like not to sound like like cocky, but it is part of, it is partly just being born with that to an extent. Like there are just some people who have a particular your brain works a certain way mm-hmm. and your body works a certain way. And, you know, some people just naturally are born with a certain talent. You know, there are people who can just fucking jam on the piano and I could never do that. You know, like I have friends who could just like improvise on the piano and they don't need music. They just play whatever. And it's magical. That will never be me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think people are born with different levels of ability. And this is just something that I happen to be born with. And, but I, I want to emphasize that being born with it does not mean that you can't improve. Sure. You know, I mean, I feel very fortunate to have been blessed with this talent somehow that I have this ability that I have an ear for it. And, you know, I'm 38 and I am absolutely not the singer I was even five years ago. Not even close. You know, I mean, in college, it was mostly like pretty. And then I was sort of learning to belt and... I just, because I'm singing all the time, you know, for me, the things that have really pushed me, I'll say this, what has really pushed my voice is the the band stuff, you know, and um, not just the telephone line, but the band I was in before that um, with the older gentleman really brought me out of my shell because they would like play stuff and ask me to like ad lib on it or they would, they would have something and they'd be like, well, I have this general melody, but I want you to do your thing on it. And it really pushed me. That's where I really, there was like a flip that got switched with that, with, with singing for me. Oh, so I'm a good singer, but here's how I can get fucking awesome. And that really is what led to me being a little more comfortable with ad-libbing sort of in practice where it's just like, just toss some stuff out there and it'll become a song eventually. And then you refine it. And I have, it's a, something I've been working on. I mean, if you say that really I started singing at age five, you know, that's over 30 years that I've been doing it. And I, you know, if you've been playing trumpet for 30 years, you're going to be good at it if you do it a lot. And you are part of why there's solidarity in yeah. the whole in the whole scene here Fuck with all yeah. of the women in Pittsburgh. It's just so <laughs> great. So. Um, I guess I'll use that to close and, yeah. um, you know, fuck off to those. <laughs> fuck off! Fuck off! <laughs> and um, thank you so much for coming on the show, Eddie. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. It, was, it was great. I really enjoy you guys. And, yeah. um, I've been enjoying the podcast a lot. So. Yeah, thank you so much yeah. for listening. Keep them coming. All of you listeners, too. Thank you so much for listening. It's been great. <laughs> Listening to Petticoat Rule, galvanizing women in musical creativity. 
The views and opinions expressed during the show are solely those of persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the producers. Subscribe and find more information and episodes at petticoatrule.net. Follow us on Facebook at Petticoat Rule and on Instagram and Twitter at Petticoat Rule FM.